I think it was it was kind of my last answer. Um, look at people that you're leading and try to make them uh, make them better than you. Came over to work on and take the lead on a master plan community in Vancouver called the River District, which is a you know basically a city that we're building within Vancouver that'll be you know eighteen thousand, nineteen thousand people at its completion, and so it's a mix of you know every cool part of urban planning, land development, real estate development asset ownership, all of that. And so that was like the perfect little playground for my brain. Welcome to the Joe Momo Presents podcast. This is the Calgary Leader Series. Let's start the show. Really excited to have my next guest on the podcast. He's a Senior VP of Development at West Group Properties. Welcome to the podcast, Brad Jones. Thanks very much, Joe. Really excited to have you on the pod. Um, so yeah, let's just jump right into it. How about you let the listeners know who you are and uh, what you do? Yeah, so um, as you said, I'm uh, SVP Development at West Group Properties. So I oversee the development sales and marketing activities uh, for West Group, which is a um, family-owned real estate company in Western Canada, one of the largest private real estate organizations in Western Canada, primarily focused in the Lower Mainland. So we're active in... Um, you know, basically every submarket here in all asset classes, you know, industrial, residential, rental, uh, residential condo, and, and really specialize in building mixed-use communities as well. Awesome. And I've noticed that you've, through my research, I've noticed that you've had uh, some, some positions within the development uh, uh, aspects of West Group. Uh, perhaps you could let the listeners know how you got to your current role. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my background is actually in urban planning. And as I went through school, I pretty quickly realized I didn't really want to do the kind of traditional government urban planning job. I was really more interested in, I I want to probably a bit of a control freak. So I want to control what actually happens, not kind of plan for what happens. So uh, I thought real estate development was a really cool meld of that skill set. And so was always interested in that, um, you know, grew up in Ontario, moved out here after school uh, just to do something different. And uh so I worked for a smaller developer in the Lower Mainland for a number of years, cut my teeth there, got a ton of really good experience with a, with a good team of people, and then moved over to West Group, um, I think almost eight years ago now, primarily interested in, you know, A, kind of scaling up what I was working on in sort of size and complexity, but B, came over to work on and take the lead on a master plan community in Vancouver called the River District, which is a, you know, basically a city that we're building within Vancouver that'll be, you know, 18,000, 19,000 people at its completion. And so it's a mix of, you know, every cool part of urban planning, land development, real estate development asset ownership, all of that. And so that was like the perfect little playground for my brain. So that's what led me to West Group. And then, you know, from there, just kind of taken, you know, more and more scope of the development side on. And then in the last few years, picked up the sales and marketing pieces. And so, um, yeah, really kind of, you know, soup to nuts of, of real estate development involved from, uh, you know, looking at acquisitions and what makes sense for us to get into all the way through. How are our communities functioning? What's the right retail mix to put in? Uh, things like that. Mm. It's funny. Uh, I saw you guys' tagline is we see potential. And um, definitely reading through some of the projects West Group has been a part of. I mean, 7,000 homes and over 100 communities. Um, but what's maybe perhaps something that West Group does that many people don't know about? I think the biggest thing I would say is the focus on 
on true community building. So a big part of the we see potential piece is the family ownership and, and kind of direction setting of the company is incredibly long-term thinking. And so it's not one project cycle out, it's 10 project cycles out. And so that gives you the ability to think in a much different way. And so when we go in and do these you know, master plan communities like River District, Brewery District, and we've got two more in the works, uh, one called Coronation Park in, in Port Moody, uh, and then another one in Surrey, we're really thinking from day one, what's going to make this community work? How are people going to interact in it, you know, way beyond when we're finished? And when, and really, what if we live there, what would we want? And so my favorite example to kind of put that in perspective is down at the River District. We run an apiary and we sell jars of honey from our apiary. We have a beekeeper that works down there and we have a colony, you know, it, uh, it, it, it grows and recedes, but of, uh, you know, in the four to 500,000 bee capacity, um, which sounds like a lot to me. Um, and we end <laughs> up, uh, we end up donating all the proceeds from the honey that we uh, generate and sell back to a local uh, family place organization that does, you know, parenting support and, and uh, childcare and, and kind of some basics like that. And so um, that's my favorite sort of soft touch point of kind of the things that we look at when we're doing some of these communities. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of communities, uh, I kind of want to touch on the Vancouver market a bit. Um, obviously, yeah. with the economic conditions we we're facing these days. And um, yeah, I'm just curious, what's your perspective on Vancouver's current real estate landscape? It's really weird times right now. Um, you know, we've been through a period where asset values were increasing in, a, in an environment where we had, you know, historically incredibly low interest rates for a fairly long period of time. And so things are things are funny right now. There's a lot of just stagnancy because it's hard to make a financial decision. So you've got, you know, rising interest rates is changing the investment climate, you know, either for, you know, purchasing a home or looking at land or looking at, you know, buying an existing asset. But the fundamentals remain the same from a supply and demand perspective, which is the funny part, right? Nothing's changed about, you know, Canada's got a significant amount of immigration, a significant component of that moves to BC, a significant component of that moves to the lower mainland. And so there's this supply and demand constraint that exists in our marketplace because of limited land, mountains, you know, agricultural land reserve, the ocean. Um, and there's an unending amount of people that are moving here and we're not building enough homes. Um, and so you'd think that would create a market that just doesn't stop. But but the interest rate piece and the inflation piece is, is, is really slowing it. And so it's in a really weird place right now where, you know, we believe um, fundamentally this is an incredible market to be in because of those because of those constraints, but the the short term and, and short term outlook right now is is um, a thing that's hard to predict. But it, it just feels like it's going to be slow. In terms of, I mean, we've touched on some of the challenges, but for you, I always love to ask my guests, what does success look like to you, whether it be professionally or personally? Joe, that is a loaded question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I find. Uh, I find the work that we do really rewarding. The kind of core basics of it, we get to do things that are really cool. I get to, um, you know, go out on the weekends with my kids and go have a coffee in a in a plaza that we've built in a master plan community. That's pretty cool, right? Not a lot of not a lot of jobs you can go sit in something that you helped create. 
So that part's really neat. I think as I've progressed, it becomes the most rewarding is there's so many people involved in everything we do. Um, you know, one single project that we work on has, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of individual people that touch it and play a part in it. And these are, you know, relationships that you end up having for for years or decades with people as you work through some of these big, complicated things. And and having that kind of mutual payoff at the end is is so, so cool. And I think if you can get through some of these big, complex things um, and have everybody be happy at the end of it, it's really <laughs> rewarding. Um, and it's, you know, that's the approach we take and, and that I take is, is we're here for the long term. And and how we do business is really important to us. And so if we finish something off or hit a milestone and, you know, all of the all of the folks on the city side or the government side that we dealt with and all of our team are happy and all of the people that we're building it are happy. That's that's one of the coolest things to me. Right. It sounds like creating those win, win, win scenarios. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And it's something that, you know, you you're going to keep doing this again and again, and you want to be a place that, uh, and a person that people want to do it with you because it's not always easy and it's, it's not without its complexity and, and working through that with people that, that you trust and can work through challenges with and have healthy conflict with is, is, uh, it's a great environment to work in. Speaking of complexity, what's maybe a common misconception about real estate or even real estate development that uh, you wish would be debunked? Ooh, how long do we have? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, the the one line about real estate developers is they're, is they're greedy and they make way too much money. And and I don't think you've ever seen a movie where there's like a good guy, real estate developer, right? They're always the bad guy. They're always, you know, they're always the, the, the evil in, in the plot. And so, but the reality is that, you know, almost every home anyone lives in, 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 uh, in, a, in an urban area in Canada, in North America, you know, the land was bought and developed by a real estate developer and, and, and the home they live in was, was either sold to a home builder or built by the developer too. And so um, I think it's hard being kind of a, an agent of change that you end up getting that bad rap. And the other piece is, you know, real estate development's tough. The, the, to do it, you're taking huge amounts of risk. Um, you know, a lot of our projects, when we, you know, buy a piece of land, just to turn one building over is a seven-year venture, right? To get your money back out of it. And so there's a lot of things that can go on through that period of time, a lot of risk that you're taking on. I mean, think about how much the the real estate market moves over a seven-year period in interest rates and and lumber and steel and copper and aluminum wire and glass and, and all of these things. So it's fraught with risk and it's it's challenged by, you know, incredible levels of bureaucracy. And when you look at the return on an annualized basis, sometimes you might ask yourself why we're even in the business. Um, and so it's something that, you know, in terms of the risk payoff, sometimes it's getting harder and harder in the industry. But at the same time, what would you do without real estate developers that are ready to take that risk and do that? Right. Absolutely. For what it's worth, I don't think you're a villain, Brad, and I think you're a good guy. <laughs> Speaking of which, I actually saw that you're um, giving back to the community, and uh, I'm really impressed by the initiatives you're a part of. I think you're the founder of the Golf Pledge. Uh, perhaps speaking more about that, if, if you don't mind. Sure, yeah. It's, um, it's a tiny little venture that uh, me and two friends started during the pandemic, actually, playing, uh, playing a lot of golf. Got pretty good at doing... Uh, AirPod golf with uh, with calls going on. 
we just were spending a lot of time together walking the golf course. We've all got, you know, young families and we're talking about, you know, a golf's pretty expensive and, and uh, there's golf camps and, and, you know, generally just the affordability challenge in our world right now, you know, families struggling to put their kids into hockey and golf and all of these different things. And so we got talking about it and, and led down a path of, you know, we, each of us could afford to pay, you know, five bucks more for this round of golf full stop. Right. And so what if we just started trying to make that a normal thing? You know, every time you come out, you put a five bucks into a, into a jar and, and you donate that to help some kids, you know, go to a golf camp in the summer or, or, or buy equipment or do something like that. And so, um, it started just like that. And we started it by kind of talking to some friends and, 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 uh, and just doing that. And so we aligned ourselves with a golf Canada initiative called first tee, which goes into underprivileged communities and, um, just does golf curriculum in, in schools in community centers and things like that, just to introduce people to the game. You know, it's an interesting game where you learn to be accountable to yourself and you learn to keep your own score and you learn to be honest and, and be polite and have etiquette and whether they, you know, play golf the rest of their life or not, that's not the point. It's, you know, physical activity and those, and those life lessons. So we try to do, you know, one or two things every year to raise a bit of money. And we're not talking about huge dollars. It's really a passion project just to put into that exact thing. Um, and then we're also looking at working with a group now that does two week summer camps at a golf course in Vancouver. And they do it for kids that are growing up in, in the downtown East side in Vancouver, which is a really high poverty community. And so they bring them on a bus every day, feed them for the day, put them through, you know, sports activities and all of that. And it's just a, a huge moment in those kids' lives. And so we're trying to just have that really tangible impact um, by doing that through a game that we really enjoy playing. Absolutely. And I'm still trying to get my swing in the right direction. So <laughs> it's <laughs> a constant to... chase, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I only have a couple more questions here for you, Brad, um, before I jump out of here. But uh, I'm always curious what my guests are curious about. So uh, yeah, what is Brad curious about these days? Oh, there's a lot. Um, I think I'm really curious about supply chain right now on the, on the kind of work curiosity side. I think the biggest thing we learned about COVID is that I don't know that any industry really understood how its supply chain worked. And so that's just an incredibly interesting thing. And, and then, and I'm trying to look at, and we've got an, a market Intel team here that, that I oversee as well. And instead of looking at, you know, what's a condo selling for, we're starting to look at, well, when steel was selling for this in the global commodity market, what did we buy it for and how did that work? And so we're starting to try to understand things like that. And so I find my night reading is following these like couple weird supply chain Twitter accounts that tell me that, you know, there's a log jam with barges in a river somewhere. And I'm trying I'm like, okay, I wonder what that's going to affect. So I found the supply chain piece really, really interesting. And then, I, you know, probably on the personal side, listening to just various psychology podcasts i think a, a partly probably because i think i'm crazy but b um i'm just really curious about you know how people place themselves on a political spectrum and, and what are the things that lead to that and you know how does our education contribute to kind of our worldview over time and so i've just kind of found my way down a path listening to some things that i found really interesting that way it's interesting. One one question I'm always another question I'm always interested about asking my guests is maybe it's a loaded question as well, but 
what's maybe one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? I was asked one recently, and it's it's a you know it's a bit of a throwaway question. It feels like sometimes, but but I think it caught caught me off guard. But I liked my answer. Was you know what's one of the biggest lessons you've ever learned? And it's a it's a version of know your enemy, but I don't like the phrasing of that because you're not always dealing with an enemy. You're dealing with somebody that you're you're a counterpart with, right? And whether that's positive or negative, it kind of doesn't matter. I think the message is still the same. Is understand who you're dealing with, what motivates them, what what are they worried about? What are they trying to protect against? What opportunities are they interested in? What gets them up in the morning? And I think one of the biggest things I've learned in in real estate development is it's, you know, I've got a planning background, so I'm a zoning nerd and I like reading about setbacks and things like that. That's just the subject matter, right? Like that, that's kind of the basics. You, someone's going to figure that out and it's important to understand, but it always comes back to people and you're interacting with so many people all the time. And so I just think that kind of conscious curiosity of trying to understand what motivates people um, is a really interesting thought in life. Mm. On that note, uh, what what's your prime motivator? Like what's uh, what, what gets Brad out, out of the bed in the morning? <laughs> uh, I, uh, I like being challenged. I like things that are really tough and hard. And so um, I, you know, I'm not super interested in kind of going off on my own and doing small projects or anything like that. I like stuff that's hard and complicated and, and hard to sort out. And, you know, I really like being in a team environment. And so that's, that really gets me out of bed in the morning is, is kind of thinking about that hard stuff. And it's usually, you know, the shower thoughts or the brushing your teeth thoughts that make you, you you're thinking about something a different way than you might have the day before. I love that. I, I like when things are, are tough and hard to sort through. And, and um, I think the, the real estate development industry gives me lots of that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it always builds resilience just doing, getting used to doing hard things. Um, yeah. It builds that kind of confidence and yeah, resilience. And you end up, you know, you get like the confidence piece is key because you, you, you know, you, you figure them out. And so then you have the confidence you're going to figure the next one out and the next one out. And so it, it, it's a, it's a cool thing when you start getting that momentum. And then, you know, where I'm at now, it's like kind of guiding people through that themselves now too. Right. I love that. What's uh, maybe something you're proud of that we haven't touched on in the interview so far? I think I've got a really good team here that I've, um, you know, in some ways inherited and some, in some ways created. And I think I've, uh, I continue to, and, and have had the ability to learn from really great leaders. And I, you know, have adopted a mentality where I think, you know, I'm trying to bring people up through our organization that scare me, that I think might be better at what I do than I am. And I think that's a really cool, um, approach to it and I, and I learned that from from uh from you know my leader and and it's uh it's a great thing because then you start kind of taking that on it's like how do I make these people better at this than I think I am and so it becomes a really cool project and so in terms of in terms of being proud of it kind of moving through the business and I'm in other parts of it and I see things that I used to be involved in happen without me that's not scary anymore that's just cool uh, and so I, I like that. And at some point I probably will have nothing left to do, but <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, where can our listeners connect with you online? I, that was the question here that scared me the most. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I try to be pretty quiet online, but, uh, LinkedIn, I guess. 
Okay. LinkedIn. I'll put that in the links, guys. Go reach out. If I stay pretty low tech. My Instagram's private and it's just basically golf pictures that uh, <laughs> that my wife doesn't care if I share with her. So <laughs> <laughs> that works. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, Brad. Uh, for I'm sure. sure the listeners had a ton of great insight from you. Um, I love to end the interview with one last question. And uh, since the leadership podcast, uh, what does being a leader or leadership mean to you? I think it was it was kind of my last answer. Um, look at people that you're leading and try to make them uh, make them better than you. Hi, I'm Brad Jones, and you're listening to the Joe Moment Presents. Thanks again for watching the Joe Momo Presents podcast. For more episodes, check out joemomo.com slash podcasts. All right, see you next time.